Hello and welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And my name is Sebastian. Now, this is a very cheerful approach uh, for me on the radio. Uh, the last time I was on air. Yes. For the first time in my life, and possibly even the last time in my life, uh, I interrupted our programming to announce the death of the Queen. Oh, so some of our listeners who may have been uh, listening out on, I believe, Tuesday at uh, two p.m. ish is when we made when we we were busy working on other things. It took us a little mm-hmm. while to catch up to the announcement, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was almost an out of body experience to to have to uh, make that announcement. It's not a small deal, and it's really interesting seeing the divide between people. Like even even people who are anti royals, they, they there are still some people who are like, this is a big deal, even if they they want the, they they don't want a royal family anymore, or they don't like the fact that they are the de facto head of state and the long list of other things. But they still acknowledge this is a very big deal. And then you have other people who just don't get it. They're like, whatever. It's just the the lady who's on all our points, and it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit more complicated than that. Well, I want to first of all acknowledge that there are so many issues with the the, the institution that is the crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we look at everything pre nineteen fifty three, uh, which is when the queen uh, rose to the throne, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the crown did some truly terrible things, and agents operating on behalf of the crown did some yep. truly terrible things. Colonization a- being one of them. Oh yeah, and it was a roller coaster too because you'd have some. It really came down to the individual royal because you had some who were very benevolent and caring and, and very soft-handed and tried to avoid war and they were really good at politics and they were good at negotiation and you had others who just didn't care. Uh, uh, or you had both in the same reign. So like, you know, the Mad King who spent half of his tenure being really good for England and the other half being very bad for the entire world. So, I mean... It really is a bit of a roller coaster. And the fact that Elizabeth II was consistently pretty good throughout her entire reign is exceptional, not just for England, but just for royal history in general. I mean, I think it's as no surprise to us that, uh, to our listeners, sorry, that as a British person, <laughs> I, uh, I was certainly quite impacted by uh, yes. the death of Her Majesty. You know, I think as many Brits will tell you, she's kind of punctuated moments of existential crisis in Britain. Mm-hmm. And she has acted as the most solid foundation that we could we could possibly want. And I, I have struggled to find a Canadian uh, or even American equivalent to, to that, something that is always stable, unwavering, um, and and stoic. Maybe Michelle Jean. I think she garnered that kind of reputation a little bit. Uh, I think Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson for the progressive black community in the states. He's been around for a dog's age, and he's pretty stable. Just like mm-hmm. guys, let's get along. Uh, uh, he he does change. Like not to say that he's fixed in stone. He does modernize over time, but his message has always been pretty consistent. Of just like let's all just try to make peace. Okay, guys. And it's Mm -hmm. a a simple message and it's a clear message. And he's been around since, I don't know, the seventies, eighties, Jesse Jackson's been around for a while, but yeah, there's not many voices like that outside of, I mean, she started under Churchill. Like this is a, just, there are no 
there's no one alive who has adult memories of yeah. a world before the queen. You have a few people who vaguely remember being a child and seeing her getting crowned, but they don't remember what the world was like before her. You know, I was watching some old VT footage of her and uh, they were talking about how her and her sister went out into um, into the mall in, in, you know, right downtown London mm-hmm. and joined the throngs of cheering crowds on VE Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all seen those end of World War II photos and videos where everyone's just in the street partying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secretly with like a hood over their heads to keep a low profile was the future queen and uh, princess, uh, you know, in that same crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine the queen wearing a hoodie. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't, a, but she did have something <laughs> over her head to kind of keep uh, keep a low profile. But I think that that's you're absolutely right. I mean, she's been she's been with us the the entire last you know through the generation. I mean, she she was there for the signing of uh, the Canadian Constitution and 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 so much uh, so much more. She was also an early symbol of feminism because every time one of the royal Mercedes or uh, uh, one of the royal cars broke down. She's the one who fixed it. Yeah, she'd get out and and uh, pop the hood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She, well, was, she was she a, was she was a, a mechanic with the um, uh, the auxiliary uh, territorial army, I think, or with the with the with the armed forces during the Second World War for sure. Mm-hmm. And she's always been good with engines. I, I think the modern one, like the when when, when engines started turning into sixty percent computers, I think most mechanics started looking at it going, oh. But anyway, up until up until she was too old to crawl around under an engine, she was perfectly fine. But yeah, it's it's such a a subtle thing. But that actually was a very big deal in terms of looking at the relationship between women and labor in the 50s and 60s. Very big deal. Yeah. yeah, When she started as the queen, only 30 percent of the British British women were working. It's now with 75 percent. So she really has been uh, at the forefront. On the gay front, her her opinions, thoughts, perspectives are very close to her chest. Um, and well, I assume at this point, the only people who really know are the, the close family. Mm-hmm. You know, she very much believed in her, the person, uh, not coloring her, the symbol. Yeah. And so her opinions and her perspectives on things uh, very rarely, if ever, entered how she acted. She always uh, worked as a servant of the state and yeah. of the people. Um but there are a couple of things, and I and I wanted to bring this to folks' attention. That uh, generally speaking, the monarchs just give royal assent to everything. It's it's a bit of a rubber stamp. Yeah. Uh, the only couple of times that uh, the queen has uh, reportedly, you know, unconfirmed, but you know how these things are. Oh yeah. Uh, the only times that the queen has uh, considered. Uh, potentially using a veto or not signing it was one when the Tony Blair government tried to take control of the ability to declare war. Mm-hmm. So war is something that is declared in the name of the Queen, and, and mm-hmm. that power rests with the Queen. Um, and uh, they were int- thinking of introducing uh, an act of Parliament to empower the Prime Minister to make that decision. Uh-huh. Don't get me wrong; 
the government makes that decision, she broadly will go with it. But the power sits with the Queen. And the only other time that it's been thought about was around changes to, I think it was gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much anything that directly affects the lineage or, you know, the succession of the crown. Then the, the crown has a lot more authority to kind of step in and, and, and take a position. Um, because, of course, if you're changing the the rules of of who gets what with same-sex marriage or same-sex partnerships, that could very well impact a future generation of the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's come out in favour. She also has a gay cousin, I think, Lord Montbatten. Um, I think it's Montbatten. Yeah, Lord Ivor Montbatten uh, is a cousin of the Queen, is openly gay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, she's been very, very quiet on LGBT uh, folks. With the remember, exception of, she's always endorsed them, like charities, yeah. organizations, celebrities. There's never been a second thought to to the people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, this is how newsworthy it is when you find out the Queen has an opinion on anything. She was very good at keeping things close to her chest. I remember 15 years ago, it was a news story that people talked about in England for weeks because somebody figured out that the queen loved the Nintendo Wii. And it was just the fact that they could discover that she had an opinion about something was just alarming. She was that good at keeping things close to her chest. Uh, and actually, I do remember that because I just thought it was hilarious that the queen loves the Wii was a, a news item. Um, but yeah, it's there's there's been a lot of times where you can vaguely tell what she thought about things because as the various... Uh, Commonwealth states and former colonies started decriminalizing, um, you know, they, they started repealing sodomy laws, decriminalizing um, same sex between consenting adults. Uh, she would usually talk about it as if it was a positive thing and as if it was progress. And you could have, you could read between the lines and see what, what mm-hmm. she was saying. Um, and I think that's, that's about as good as we got. Like, yeah. Well, the impact of her passing has been felt all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's even been felt in the gay clubs of London. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> because when the Queen dies, yeah. uh, the gay community uh, obviously feels for it. Um, not only have, you know, legends of the queer community been passing condolences, Elton John and, and many, many others. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the biggest gay bars in Birmingham and London and elsewhere in, in the UK closed their doors the Ooh. day of um, Her Majesty passing, um, with many of them tweeting out as a sign of respect, because... I don't know. In Britain, it's it's such a such a somber and, and uh, significant event mm-hmm. that to be you know the BBC has removed all light entertainment programming. Like there will be no frivolity uh, during the 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 mourning of the Queen. That's on the BBC. They are an extreme. Let's be honest here. Yeah, but I do think that you know a gay nightclub. Uh, you know, calling it uh, calling it early on a night, the night that she passed away. I, you know, that seems that seems reasonable to me because it wasn't just them. It was 
Uh, Fortnum and Masons closed their doors. I think Harrods was closed for most of the day. Oh, wow. You know, a lot of London uh, in respect. Pretty much anyone that holds a, a royal warrant. These gay bars do not hold a royal warrant. Mm-hmm. Any uh, place that holds a warrant, you know, by appointment to the Queen, uh, food or service, uh, they've they've all, I think, shuttered or, or introduced displays to, to recognize that. But I just thought it was interesting that the, the, the tendrils of grief reach the gay and heaven nightclubs to to get them to also close their doors there is that that fascinating relationship though between the queen and uh, the community if anything else uh, there's an interesting history of uh queen elizabeth ii and drag uh doing drag acts based on the queen in a very like homage kind of way has there's a lot oh, of yeah. history she that. has been she has been dragified on yes. many occasions i think she's been impersonated as a rupaul drag race um snatch game contestant mm-hmm. a couple of times so yeah the, the people are definitely familiar with queens impersonating the queen yes for sure or here in canada scott thompson played the the queen many many times on kids in the hall Mm-hmm. It was one of his Absolutely. more popular characters. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely one of the most uh, reproduced women um, <laughs> in, uh, in the world in both stamps, n- coins, and portrayals by drag queens. I think yes. that's definitely uh, definitely up there. I think her and Cher may, may come close to a tie on drag queen Ooh. portrayals, but uh, I know it's certainly certainly up there. All right, when we get back, we have a couple of Canadian stories that we're going to pass along to some folks, not just going to spending the whole day talking about the passing of Her Majesty the Queen. Uh, we are going to be playing first with Blue Moon Drive. This is from the album Mother Love, and uh, we are very excited to have um, Mother Love uh, Xway and Tom Wilson uh, joining us on this. Of course, Xway is the uh, creamy tea, and uh, Tom Wilson uh, being Mohawk. Well, this is one of their fantastic tracks. We've played them a couple of different times, um, and then we will actually be following this track up. Uh, so, Blue Moon Drive by Mother Love. We'll be following that closely with a, another contemporary folk by Tongue Twi Tied by Bells Larson. And uh, we'll be back just after this. One, two, three, four.
home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And my name is Sebastian. And I probably have Omicron. So if I'm oh, a little bit... Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you're under the weather. But I have something that might cheer you up. Oh? Now, with Aljankovic. Oh! I, I mean, he, always, he already cheers everybody up. I mean, but... you know he made one of... Actually, uh, not only do I love his movie, but I, I stand by this. The, the DVD commentary track on UHF is the best DVD commentary track ever. As he's what, talking, what movie is this? UHF. 
Okay. Yeah. He has his own movie. You can hear him turning pages because he's just flying through the notes. I have never seen somebody take a DVD commentary track so seriously. Um, but yes, no, I, I love the guy. I grew up on. So Daniel Radcliffe of Harry Potter fame is portraying Weird Al Yankovic in a autobiography. Uh, oh, sorry, in a in a film biography yep. uh, of Weird Al. Now, apparently, the film autobiography of Weird Al is a satire of film autobiographies, and not as it should be, <laughs> and not a remotely <laughs> accurate representation of Weird Al in any way, okay. except insofar as it's a ridiculous uh, satire. Okay, so okay. it is going to be. Weird Al all the way through, including with Nina West, the drag queen from uh, Drag Race Canada, uh, playing the iconic Divine. Oh. I think specifically from the John Waters uh, appearances. Did, did Weird Al know Divine? She must have. He must have done because... Uh, Nina West is playing uh, Divine on uh, on 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 the Weird Al Yankovic story. Now, Ooh. for folks who don't know who Divine is, do you want to give folks a little bit of a of an idea? Oh, oh my God, <laughs> Divine is the queen of trash, and that that was kind of a uh, and, and that's that that's that's a a point of pride. That that's not me insulting her. Um, Divine was the drag queen at the heart of most of um, John Waters' films. And uh, my favorite fact about Divine is that she accidentally invented the punk look. Because there's this one movie called Female Trouble where every scene in the movie, her eye makeup got more and more dramatic. (laughs) To the point that at the end of the movie, they had shaved the sides of her head so that her eye makeup could go all the way past her ears. And um, uh, there was a photograph of her with this eye makeup and her he- the sides of her head shaved and her, her in handcuffs and screaming at, a, at an officer. And they put that on T-shirts. And if you imagine the sides of your head being shaved, that would be a mohawk. And so it was just that look of the mohawk and the crazy eyes and, and you know, the, the torn black T-shirt, all that. And it was she just invented that look for one scene in a movie because they wanted the eye makeup to get more and more crazy throughout the film. Uh, but yeah, uh, her, her she's probably most celebrated for her role in Pink Flamingos. Uh, but uh, that's uh, that's not necessarily my favorite uh, performance by her. It, it would actually probably be Female Trouble. It was very dramatic. I, if you, uh, it's a good movie to get drunk and watch with friends. Do not watch it as serious cinema. That is not its function. Don't, don't. Don't sit there with a brandy and, and consider its implications on the world. Pink flamingos? No, no. no. <laughs> that, is, that is a late evening on a Saturday. Um, that's the third film in a marathon. Yep. That's yep. that's the place yep. that that occupies. Uh, and she also actually, she had a, a, a chart-topping single in the 80s at the same time as RuPaul, as it happened. So uh, Divine had, uh, I think it's called You're Only a Man, open bracket, but you know, you think you're a man, but you're only a boy. And that came out at the same time as RuPaul's. Oh, what was RuPaul's hit called? Is it Supermodel of the World? It's something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they, they shared the chops, uh, charts at the same time. But yeah, she was uh, probably the first famous drag queen to enter popular culture. I think that that might not be right. Uh, Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson? No, that's somebody else. The, the 
there, there's a few other people that might get that title, but Divine was definitely one of the most important major ones for sure. And uh, Queen Ursula in The Little Mermaid was based on her as well. Mm-hmm. Huge impact. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, the Weird Al Yankovic uh, movie, which is a, a Roku original on the Roku channel. Don't ask me how you find that, but uh, mm-hmm. if you have a Roku stick, maybe it's uh, it's elite. I think we do. I have a Roku stick. I think you do. Is it I okay? I'll I'll try and find it. I'll try and find it. And see, <laughs> if it's, uh, see if it's there. It comes out on November the fourth. But yeah, um, it's actually being premiered at, as an official selection in the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, we're also seeing Steven Spielberg. Um, joining us uh, in Toronto for that. I say us, I personally won't be there, but, you know, he's it, it, joining uh, whoever is there. Yeah, tickets um, to lots of, possible. Oh, I know. It's yeah. apparently been incredibly difficult this year to get, uh, get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Styles' My Policeman is going to be in there, as well as Bros with Billy Eichner. Those are the big headlining ones. Okay. Um, the one that I'm actually most interested in uh, is uh, the high school um, movie by Tegan and Sarah. Oh, okay. So yes, it's I... a, a movie based on their autobiography, I believe. There's a lot of biopics this year at TIFF. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's uh, it might actually be a series. Now I'm thinking if I remember it correctly. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff and a lot of Canadian creators mm. uh, as well. So if we get a hold of uh, an opportunity to get an interview, we'll, we'll obviously share it with folks. But yeah, Toronto International Film Festival is is really representing on LGBT content uh, this this year. Now you had a couple of Canadian stories, I believe. Did I? Uh, so the the do you want to start with the? Well, this is a bigger discussion though. Like we could talk about the PEI one. Do you want to start with the PEI one? Yeah, let's do PEI. Okay, so uh, in PEI, um, there is a national accreditation program that assesses. Uh, whether businesses are friendly and welcoming to the LGBT community. Uh, there's been a few problems with uh, tourists showing up to PI and not finding it quite as friendly as advertised. So they, they set up a sort of accreditation board. To, it is basically uh, your company or your B&B or your whatever. You show up, you do the courses, and then you get the rainbow sticker that you can put on your front door. Um, and as it happens, uh, so far, zero people have shown up to take the course, or at least at the time of uh, when this article was written. Um, and uh, really, like, this is kind of a, a peculiar story that uh, the story itself is mildly interesting, but what it tells us. Yeah, nobody, is, nobody shows up for training yeah. uh, is, is the headline. Yeah, but nobody. Yeah. We, we both want to dig into it for different reasons. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Well, your one actually, I think, is a little bit easier to access. Yeah. So my the reason why I, I, I mean, first of all, the fact that nobody at PEI went to this one training, um, I don't think is going to be the end of the world. I'm sure that there are people who have put on amazing workshops in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, mm-hmm. and nobody shows up because it's mm-hmm. bad timing, because it's during work hours, because they didn't tell anybody. You yeah, know, things happen where you arrange something amazing, even if it's a night out with your friends or a dinner party, nobody shows. 
these things happen all the time. Yep. Yep, yep. So the fact that nobody showed up to a training, I'm like, okay, well, if nobody shows up to any trainings, mm-hmm. that's a story. That's a story. Mm-hmm. One training is a scheduling conflict. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, and that, that's a huge problem that we have here in Ottawa. Ottawa ha- has a reputation for being a boring city, but I will tell you, most if I were to make like top 10 best parties that I've ever been to in my life, I'd say like eight of them happened here in the city. Uh, Ottawa is great for events, but Ottawa is terrible for um, advertising those events. So it, I just found these events because back in the day, I knew a lot of people in the arts community and I knew the organizers and I knew people who worked for you know, the, the local film collective or the, the art gallery. And they would just invite me to these things and they would just call me up and say, we're, we're having an event. No one's here. Can you please show up and be a warm body to fill it out and go? And it was like an amazing party. And it just turns out that whoever's job it was to let people know did a very bad job of it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen with, with uh, community events, with uh, consultations, with public outreach events, with, uh, drop-in uh, information sessions. It is a regular problem getting information out there. And sometimes when you see these events and you see what people did, like it's hard to get information out there in the first place to get people to show up to your events. But then sometimes you go to these events and you see what people did and you're like, this is, this is insufficient even for a community event with no funding. Yeah, like I you wonder, couldn't even put yeah. it on Facebook. Like, what is this? You know, there there is an issue with that. I wonder if I mean, if it was in the last week or two, and it's just compounding problems. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. I remember when you know both you and I were at university around the same time. I yep. was doing my undergrad, and you were doing other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when these LGBT trainings first started to come around. Everyone's slapping rainbows on doors and windows. Mm-hmm. And they were like, discrimination is when you do this. Okay. This is when this happened. And it was very, very much like kindergarten level, don't be a, a nuisance to other people. Now, that you know, my choice of words may have differed there, but it, it was really, really foundationally basic. Yeah, yeah. Back then, um, you know, if someone was to provide a training on how LGBT people who are in same sex relationships, what is it about their purchasing habits that differ and how can we better engage with folks to, to kind of make a more welcoming environment? That is a training that I would want to go to. They or I've been to a training on how to make a survey that makes LGBT people actually want to fill it out and respond because like, yeah. One of the issues is identifying people. If you have like check boxes, a lot of people will look at that and be like, eh. Uh, but then if you let people fill in anything they want whatsoever, then that makes it really hard to process the data. Like you need constrained categories. So how do you split that difference? And I, I've been to trainings on, on that as well. And they can be very informative. But just this like broad diversity as a broad thing. That that some of these trainings, that that's one of the things that that I kind of Zone, uh, zoomed in on when I was looking at this story is uh, I don't know how many times I've been to training sessions for things like this and at some point in time one of the other attendees leans over to me and whispers I don't think I've learned anything and the other issue is that some of these things uh, well, if you're in the room at all you're probably already sold 
you know, there, there's there's going to be a few things. There might be something like you haven't met many people with a certain identity and you're not really sure what to do about that. You don't know. You don't understand the relationship between this and that. Um, and it's like, oh, that, that's kind of interesting. But you could have gotten the same information from a pamphlet. You know, the, the people who are in the room are generally already sold. And then if it is something where it's for accreditation, if, it's actually, if this could be a memo. Yeah. It should be a memo. Could this be in an email? Is yeah, really yeah, yeah. the question. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the other issue is the 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 nature of training. The the number of times for people they they study for an exam, they go to the exam and they forget everything immediately after. Like I I would like to open to the listening audience. I am sure that most of you at some point in time have learned the mathematical formula for the volume of the sphere. Can you tell me what it is right now off the top of your head? Uh, there are I very few people listening that can answer what the mathematical formula is for the volume of a sphere. It, it's you four know, thirds even times some pi times r squared. I mean, clearly. I mean, um, yeah, well, you have that on a t-shirt. <laughs> well, you know, most people, most people don't. <laughs> you know, the other thing that jumps out at me is planning any kind of training sessions mm-hmm. during the first week back of school. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. Anyone no. between anyone at university or college age is literally for the first time in years first mm-hmm. time in years most of them are attending a campus physically in person mm-hmm. for everyone with with a child under that age or even with children that age mm-hmm. you're getting people to school you're figuring out the school bus you're doing you know it's 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 verging on manic i don't know how parents have managed over the last yep. week or two um so to then have you come by at 6 p.m for us to tell you how not to discriminate yeah. i can tell you what my attendance is going to be yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and even then at uh, at my place of work, the Friday before Labor Day, two thirds of the company took it off so that they could get a four day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know that that was common practice, so I was sitting there uh, with nobody nobody to work with because half my job is interviewing people. So I was like, I guess I'll find something. I can line up all by myself to play in the background. <laughs> but you know, the other thing is though, Sebastian, I disagree with you about the value of having the training. I think it was. My suspicion is that it mm. was maybe badly timed mm-hmm. uh, and the promotion was maybe not as executed as well mm-hmm. as it could have been. But we've seen efforts where people are like, yeah, you should come to my shop and spend all your money at my shop. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, there, there is there, there, maybe there's hostile employees or mm. they're not uh, doing anything or there's, there's some basic level things um, that uh, can really turn off LGBT people. And if there was just a training being like, look, you want to have LGBT people come, you want to put rainbows up everywhere. Yeah. Great. Here's a rainbow with our logo on it. This just says we've gone over the basics with you. Yeah. We've gone over some things specific to this industry so that if I'm a, a, a shopper and I have two stores, both carrying the object that I'm looking to buy, and one mm-hmm. of them has a rainbow sticker that looks like it's from Amazon. And the other one has a rainbow sticker with, you know, a, a logo from a company that I know has done some training. But the city's going, crest. That yeah, I would yeah. trust. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going into the one with the reputation as opposed to the one without it. And uh, yeah, I think that's really what this training is, is gearing towards is yeah. in the pink dollar, but the execution. Oh, I mean, I mean the, the pink dollar, there is that cynicism there. And I think that's really what it comes down to for me as well. I'm not saying that trainings are useless. I'm saying that I've been to useless trainings mm. and I'm skeptical uh, as a category. I think there's other ways of 
improving relations in the community. Like I really like the, the, uh, the mere contact approach of like, you just put people in a room together, you get them to talk. And as they get to know each other a little bit better, they're a little bit more open-minded, um, which is a little bit out of date now that we don't really do that kind of thing anymore, unfortunately. Um, but that's fine. All right, we're going to be jumping to our first track. This is Jolie Wolf, one of the truly incredible artists, uh, with Would You Dry, the stripped down version. And we'll be following that with I Feel Like a Loser by Zoe Levin. And uh, we'll be back just after this. Would you die? Stop! 
Hello and welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And first to Poland. A little recently, not too long ago, at the uh, city of Katowice in Poland, they held a pride march in solidarity with the Ukrainian city of Odessa. Mm-hmm. Everything went really well. 4,000 people showed up. It was a good time. That's And that's the story. Yeah. Now... Don't don't say don't brush that off. Like there was a, an event in Poland, and it was four thousand people showed up. Yeah, it, everyone it, had a good time. It was oriented around uh, LGBT rights, and everything went well. I, I, like that actually is a major story. There's not much to it in terms of your ability to talk about it, but that's that is significant. Absolutely. Now, for our listeners who are like, you know, why are these why are these two being so coy? Come on, tell me the truth. Um, so, yeah, we're being a little bit we're being a little bit coy with you. And that is because the uh, Pride event in uh, Katowice, I do apologize to any Polish people listening uh, for butchering the pronunciation of that city. For the last six years in this city in Poland, there have been Pride parades and almost every single year, mm-hmm. uh, far right radicals uh, loosely associated with various uh, extremist organizations on the far right have mm-hmm. interrupted lambasted and mm-hmm. there have been reports of violence multiple times so to say that everyone got there had a good time and went home safe and sound is significant yeah, in yeah, that yeah. this is the first time in this policy that uh, that there was a pride celebration where it was just a celebration where people were yep. just having a good time and uh, everyone got home safe and the the polish parliament i think they have it was about a year ago when they were where there was a, a minority party who was trying to bring in some pretty homophobic policies and the government basically came down saying like we acknowledge that polish culture is a little bit conservative we acknowledge that this is a catholic country we acknowledge that you probably have certain thoughts in your head keep those thoughts in your head we are not putting them in the law you can think whatever you want you can feel whatever you want but we are not making a law out of this mm-hmm. which was yeah. In its own way, that was progress to basically say, like, we are going to learn to accept this in our own way. It's going to take a while, but like, we're not going to make any homophobic laws. So flush that from your brain right now. So this is actually kind of a sign of, you know, if you want to be homophobic, that's cool. Do it at home. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's it, there's definitely a, a starting to be a bit of a shift in Poland. Mm-hmm. You know, we also saw prides in the city of Lublin uh, also go ahead without any issues whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Another one where there's been issues in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see issues, people threw flares into the pride parade. You know, people were throwing eggs and, and broken bottles. And a couple of people in 2019 were arrested for taking uh, explosives to Oof. the march. So, I mean, to say everyone came, went, had a good time, no issues is massive in the context of how pride has been yeah. in uh, in uh, Poland. Well, Poland in general, yeah. Yeah, and we've also talked before about the LGBT-free zones uh, also being struck down. Well, uh, we've been following the Ricky Martin story. Uh, we Ooh. talked a little bit before about he had been accused by his uh, adult male cousin of... Um, a number of things. A, a court uh, then issued a restraining order against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the accusation included hanging around his residence on at least three occasions uh, after their alleged relationship had ended. Now, Ricky Martin's cousin withdrew the allegations um, after about a week of some pretty serious media buzz around the whole mm-hmm. thing. 
Uh, Ricky Martin's representatives and, and him and I believe his, his husband have all called them not only untrue, but also incredibly uh, disgusting. Um, Ricky Martin has now gone on to uh, sue his cousin oh. that accused him of this for $20 million. The lawsuit's Ooh. filed in Puerto Rico, where uh, I think the legal case took place, um, for the reckless, malicious and culpable actions um, uh, accusing his maladjusted nephew for trying to destroy his reputation with these uh, salacious allegations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the filing says that, uh, yeah, it seems to Ricky Mount's essentially accusing him of a money grab. Or defamation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It seems that, like they used every yeah. word except for defamation in what is clearly a defamation case. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Ricky Martin accuses him of trying to assassinate his reputation unless he was economically compensated. So it's just a good old fashioned shakedown. Mm. Yep. Uh, well, the filing for $20 million in claimed against his cousin uh, speaks to the fact that many multi million dollar contracts uh, and past and future, uh, sorry, present and future projects were cancelled when mm-hmm. Ricky Martin found himself in the middle of these allegations. Now, whether or not his cousin is able to generate 20 million to, to answer for this, yeah. who knows? Um, but it is certainly an indication of the, the impact that the allegations had on Ricky Martin. We will never really know what happened between them and whether or not there was uh, anything that had happened. The allegations mm-hmm. were withdrawn mm-hmm. um, and nothing's been proven in court, but Maybe with uh, this twenty million lawsuit, uh, something else may uh, may come to the fore. Mm-hmm. There's an article on the Public Service Alliance of Canada's page, basically saying that the federal action plan is uh, better late than never, and it, it kind of said that there there wasn't really that much in there, except you and I both know because we've been covering this for a while, and also we actually did that episode about the action plan a couple weeks ago. Uh, basically saying that most of the things in the action plan the government has already been working on for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't really know what they're complaining about. They did have one complaint that there may not be enough funding to accomplish their goals. I think that's a, a potentially valid complaint. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm going to hold your horses there a little bit, Sebastian. I said potentially. Are you telling me that public <laughs> servants are complaining that there's maybe not enough money for public servants mm-hmm. uh, to do more work? And, mm-hmm. I don't know. Federal employees looking for more funding over the federal government should not be a shock to anybody in the room. <laughs> you know I mean? Like it's, oh, you know, if only we could be paid more to do a little bit more work, that'd be, oh, that should definitely be included in your plan. No, I mean... Jobs that are already half done, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, come on now, folks. Maybe they might be more sustainable with a little bit more funding. Um, Maybe the Liberals skimped a little bit on what it it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is the first time that that the federal government's ever made a move by this. And Mm -hmm. to say that we need a lot more, I mean, where's your evidence indicating that, that this can't be executed on the budget that it's given? anything budgetary my attitude is always let's wait and see because sometimes you can do it in half the budget that you thought you did and other times it's uh you you ask for five percent what you should have it's sometimes it's hard to tell mm-hmm. so i mean well, yeah. i i very much have a wait and see uh yeah, yeah. 
Well, the uh, well, keep an eye out. But uh, I'm personally not surprised that the public uh, servant, uh, pub public sector union is uh, concerned about funding. on the fence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is not uh, surprised me. Uh, interesting story that we have an eye on that will be unfolding shortly. Senator Chuck Schumer has announced that he will be holding a vote in the coming weeks on the Respect for Marriage Act. So as we'd explained before, the decision by the U.S. Supreme Court um, essentially overturning Roe v. Wade, mm -hmm. the foundational sort of legal thesis under it is that, that the perceived right from this previous Supreme Court court case was not anchored within the Constitution. Mm -hmm. There are two other major pieces of uh, jurisprudence in American history that are also similarly not anchored in, in, in the Constitution, mm -hmm. being interracial marriage and gay marriage. Mm -hmm. So those are the two, you know, it, there's three of them that are very similar. They've knocked out abortion. They've taken away the scaffolding and mm -hmm. they are, these two are teetering. It's just a matter of time. So Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have introduced the Respect for Marriage Act, which will put into law uh, the interracial and same-sex marriages. And most uh, interestingly of all, will force Republican senators and congressmen to vote for or against interracial and uh, same-sex marriage. I'm not hmm. sure if it includes interracial marriage, but I do believe it does include same-sex marriage. So but long yeah, as they're it's... Gonna, they're going to get them on the books. They're if it's it on not the record. a yeah. full omnibus, because I hate omnibus bills, if it's just those two things, I think that's, that's fine. The, the moment they start, because I don't know, this is how politics works these days, they're just going to start chucking in other things about like, you know, uh, permissible levels of lead in, in, in farming soil or something like that. So, I mean, so long as they, they keep the law simple, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that it'll pass. There's been a well, lot of laws in the states that get rejected and you're like, is everyone homophobic? And then you actually look into it and you're like, why did they bundle all this other weird yeah, well, stuff? Well, this, this one is supposed to be very specific. Okay. It is essentially taking uh, the interracial same-sex marriage, which is currently allowed under the... Uh, Supreme Court of uh, the, the U.S. Supreme Court decisions, mm -hmm. uh, taking what is already in practice right now mm -hmm. and enshrining it in law because it's uh, it, it's sort of legal underpinnings are, are uh, at risk. Well, it's so, constitutional yeah. underpinnings. The legal underpinnings are the House and the Senate pass. That's that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it, yeah. it was a it was a it was a um, court decision for mm -hmm. those. Well. We'll keep an eye on it and see where it goes from here. We're going to be playing out with Bambi Legs by Selfish Bodies. This is a great little track. Um, I enjoyed it very much. We hope you do too. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening.
Messing my life. 